Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To me, why I love the saying self-made is because I believe to make it to the end of your life, you will have to make yourself over and over and over again. How I've made myself over is by being flexible and pivot. The thing that I would say is most important in life is to understand that life is in phases and you have to be ready for everything to change all the time. And those of us that are stuck in a box are going to suffer a lot. And the way to not suffer through this very difficult life is to say that was then, this is now. And you have to have that attitude about your life, about changes, about relationships that died and be optimistic that other things are coming. I think we have to have the feeling of growing all the time, of evolving all the time. And I always say, sometimes you got to go a little backwards, but you got to take yourself then to a higher place. And that is what it's all about. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, 
and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm excited too. <laughs> All right. So let's start off with an intro. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So I'm Nelly Galan. I am the former president of entertainment for Telemundo. So I'm a Latina that started at the bottom as an intern, worked her way up and became president of a network. And then we sold the company to NBC. And I became Latina Tyler Perry. I produced about 700 TV shows in English and Spanish, including the reality series, The Swan. And then I decided to take a sabbatical and go back to school. And I got a master's and doctorate in clinical psychology. And I studied the psychology of money in multicultural communities, especially ours, Latinas. Mm -hmm. And in my life, I've worked for eight billionaires. So by osmosis, I had learned a lot about money and financial literacy. And I decided to write a book, which you see behind me, called Self-Made, Becoming Empowered, Self-Reliant, and Rich in Every Way to Empower Latina, African-American women, Asian women, women of color, how to become empowered economically. Because without economic empowerment, you don't have it. You're still dependent on a man, on the country, on your job, on the corporation you work for. And I'm blessed because the book came out in English, Spanish, and Mandarin. Wow. I've traveled the world uh, speaking to small business owners, women from all countries around the world about how to become empowered economically. That's the Reader's Digest. Incredible. Okay, so Nelly, I have to know, was this always a part of your plan to conquer the world of money and entrepreneurship? Or what, Tell me about your money story. What was it like growing up? Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey. So I'm from Cuba. We came here in the middle of the revolution and my parents were broke and we were adopted by, I guess in today's world, you would call it, they sponsored us, a Presbyterian family in New Jersey, American, like Americana, look like I Love Lucy, sponsored us and we went to live with them for a year. They had lost two sons in the Vietnam War mm -hmm. and their pastor told them to help other people to feel better. And so they helped us and we helped them heal as well. It was a beautiful relationship. But I grew up in Americana, New Jersey, in Teaneck, which was a very Jewish town. And I really believe that's why I did so well in Hollywood, because a lot of Latinos weren't, aren't used to Jewish culture. And I like one of my best friends across the street from me, her dad was a editor for the New York Times and it was a Jewish family. And I felt very at home among Jews, that that helped me later in entertainment. I wasn't because, freaked out when they were yelling at me. <laughs> Just because you got to know the culture and there's a large representation of Jewish people in the entertainment industry. Yeah. But in answer to your question, because I didn't yep. answer your question, I think what happened to me, and I wrote a story about it that got published in a book 
And it was about me selling Avon from the time I was 12 years old. I don't think I was a money person, or I think in another lifetime, I would have been a very different person. But like so many of us, when you have to, when your parents lose everything and have no money, and all of us, I think, become very good at money early because we have to, we learn how to work in a team and your family is your team. And I was going to all girl Catholic school that was very expensive. And I knew my parents were having a hard time paying for it. And so I got on the team and I started selling Avon out of my school. And I wrote a story and it's funny because I just came from a writing retreat. And I think that that story was the beginning of me finding my voice. And the story begins with when I was 12, I knew I wanted to be a millionaire. And I did. And that was like the first moment that I thought, I want to make a lot of money. And it wasn't because I was money hungry or I wanted fancy things. You know, I wasn't aspirational like the Kardashians. It was more like I never wanted my parents to suffer again over mm. my and me and our family and worry and worry about when you go to eat in a restaurant that you don't order things that you shouldn't order and right. all the things that come with your family losing their money. Yeah. So tell me how you decided your career path, right? So you got into the media. We know it wasn't, very it wasn't well. something I chose. It, I was going to say it probably. No, I mean, I'll tell you what happened because it's very important. I was in high school in my sophomore year of high school, and I wrote a story for school. And the nun, who was my favorite teacher, by the way, accused me of plagiarism. And she said, oh. I don't think you wrote this. I think Ernest Hemingway wrote it. Wow. And I got suspended for three days. And in those three days, I told my parents and my parents took the side of the nun, you know, go ask for forgiveness of the nun. Because in our communities, and you know this, like, they're very like, it doesn't matter if we're right or wrong. They're very into authority. You're guilty and until proven I, innocent. <laughs> right. And so I was so mad at my parents. And I didn't know how to like deal with my feelings. And I wrote an article to Seventeen magazine. And I sent it in about why you should never send your kid to all girl Catholic school. <laughs> and it was very like funny, but like cutting. And three days later, I went back to school and the nun goes, you know, a compliment to you. It's so good. I thought it was Ernest Hemingway and no, it's really, you wrote it. And, and I got an A plus wow. the whole thing went away. And then three months later, I get a check in the mail from 17 magazine for a hundred dollars. And they said, we're going to publish your story. And I'm like, oh shit, I am up the creek. And when they published the story, I got called to the principal's office. All the girls were like talking about it. And remember back then there was no internet. I mean, it was like 17 magazine was it. We all read 17 magazine. Right. And I got called to the principal's office and she's like, we don't want your kind here. And I was only one of two Latinas in this very American school. And I had to tell my parents I got expelled. And they're like, you know, go go on your hands and knees. Like, again, I was the bad guy. I wow. decided to go to the library, find the number for the Board of Ed. I called the Board of Ed, an African-American man answered the phone. And I said, is this right? Isn't this a First Amendment thing? How can they expel me for right? And he's like, well, it's a private school. They can do whatever they want, but you don't have to take it. I'm going to get you an interview with the local paper. And it was the first time an adult in my life. It's so funny because I was telling my son the other day, I have a thing. African-American men have always mentored me. It's so weird. And it's been many of them that have come into my life. And it's not even like a romantic thing. It's more of like, they come into my life and they're more empowered than my family. I did the article. 
And the next day it was an escándalo. It was like a Cuban girl that fell for First Amendment issue. And the nun called us back into the school. And my parents were freaking out because they thought it was, I was like, it was a shameful thing. And the nun's like, oh, we're not, we didn't say we were expelling you. And basically they graduated me a year and a half early. And Seventeen Magazine was so proud of me. They were like, we're so proud of you that you stood up for yourself. And they said, we're offering you the youngest guest editorship in the history of the magazine. So very honestly, I did not choose my path. And I think I would have done something really different. I think my path chose me. I did that. First of all, I found my voice. I'm like, the thing that came up for me is this country does not admire wimpy people. They admire people that stand up. I stood up. My parents looked at me like I was a zero and a loser, but the world looked at me like a star. And I have never forgotten that. That lesson has served me very well. So I went to work at Seventeen Magazine as a teenager. I just came from Texas seeing my 88-year-old boss who hired me for my first TV show that I had to move to Texas, which was the teenage version of the TV show, 60 Minutes. It was like a 60 Minutes type of show for daytime on Saturdays and Sundays for teenagers. And she found me because of my, my writing on Seventeen Magazine. And I moved to Texas and I got into television as a reporter. And from there, everything took off. I kept getting one thing. I mean, that, so it really was me having a crisis. And it's funny because I've met so many people who were expelled from school and it broke them. And for me, being expelled from school made me find my voice. That's incredible because I think as a culture, especially as women in the culture, we're very much taught to not stand out. Do not use your voice. Do not give people a reason to talk about you, to bring, quote unquote, shame to the family, right? Que van a decir la gente? Where do you think these cojones come from, Nelly? We must know. I have to be honest with you. I really don't think I had cojones at all. In fact, <laughs> I, think I was kind of wimpy. And I, like, if a teacher would say something to me, I would cry. And that's why I feel like if I can figure this out, anybody can. Because I really was a very introverted child that was very sensitive. But in life, you have to have moments where you realize that certain things are not working for you. And I think that seeing my parents be so unempowered, feeling that adrenaline rush of shame, like when you feel like you did something wrong and you're in trouble. And then hearing this African-American guy go, you're not wrong. You're right. You just did something right. I have a lot of admiration for African-Americans and for Jews. Because they've all suffered so much that they figured it out. And I think we are still young as a culture in this country. And we don't realize the power we have. And we don't realize how important our voice is. And I will die trying to give Latinas and help Latinas find a voice. Because I have found mine. And I'm an animal. And I fight for things. And that doesn't mean I'm like, I'm actually a very sweet person. And I'm very sensitive and all this and all that, but I've created a persona. And that persona is like the parent that my parents couldn't be. It's like, I'm a little girl inside and I have a parent that speaks up for me. And my son tells me all the time, he's so lucky because he got me. Like I advocate for him and I have fought for him. And when he's gotten in trouble, instead of saying, it's your fault, I go and I fight the school. We have to do that to build 
generational voices, generational wealth. We need someone to stand up for us. Absolutely. I'm curious, as you progress in your career, you know, the media industry is notoriously sexist. What was maybe a situation or encounter that sticks out in your mind where you had to, again, advocate for yourself? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I mean, I've always had to advocate for myself. And I tell women, I don't want you to think that it just like you're not born out of the womb with a voice and with a powerful persona and personality. You have to really build it brick by brick. I have done things like take acting class. I always tell everybody, I've learned how to speak listening to. Chandra Rhymes and reading her scripts with Olivia Pope. I mean, Chandra Rhymes is so shy and so introverted. And so like, you would think she's like going to cry too, like me. And then she writes Olivia Pope because chingona. So I realized that finding a voice is practice. So I think it started also with my teachers. Like sometimes a teacher would say something to me really mean. And then I'd go home and I'd go, okay, what would a character that I admire in a movie, what would they have said? And I would practice with a friend of mine. I'd say, Cuando esa vieja me, me haga eso otra vez, what, what, ¿cómo le digo? And that thing is something I carried into my business life, right? I have had bosses scream at me in my face. I have had people insult me. I have had people say racist things in front of me. I have had people, you know, say me too things in front of me, right? I've never been me too, but why? Because I really practiced. Like the first time a guy that was older, like kind of came on to me in the entertainment business. And I, I remember I had practiced it because <laughs> I'd been warned by other women. And I said, you know, if you were 30 years younger, you'd be the first guy I'd go out with, but I'm your daughter. So let's behave like I'm your daughter. And it was like, it would become funny. And I have more like, I can honestly tell you, I have worked with every very difficult person in the entertainment business. I've worked for eight billionaires. And I can tell you that if I told you who they were, you'd be like, oh, you, you had to have been me too. No, never. I never went to somebody's hotel room. I never drank. I don't drink. Everybody always says to me, you don't drink. I go, I figured out early on. That if you're in a business like the entertainment business or the music business or anything like that, and you drink, you are a target. Even tell people, which is true, I worked very closely 
with Bill Cosby. And I'm not saying that I don't believe what happened because I do, but it never happened to me. And again, another situation where I turned him into a dad. I feel for women because I know that this is not something that we just grow up learning how to do. In my TV life, when I have been yelled at, I mean, my son will tell you that I can make a grown man cry. And I have because I'm so good at it now. I believe it, girlfriend. <laughs> Girl, I'm just telling you, I figured it out. I'm now on corporate boards with billionaires. And I, some of my friends call me the billionaire whisperer. Brookie, you, know, my <laughs> you have to like, be that, that way. Yeah. So it is practice. And it is like almost becoming an actress and pretending. Because listen, I tell people all the time, I've raised a lot of money. I've asked people for millions and millions of dollars. Little Latina Cubanita from New Jersey could never ask anybody for five cents. Okay. Yeah. Could never yell back at a billionaire. Could never hang up on a billionaire, which I've done many times. <laughs> but I have found my power. Now, listen, to be brutally honest, that doesn't mean that I'm like that in all parts of my life. I think I've, mm. I've had a very complex and difficult personal life. I think I've chosen over my lifetime, many men that were projects that I had to fix. And I don't think I've been as empowered in that part of my life. So, yeah. you know, just so everybody doesn't think I'm not perfect. Okay. Like I'm still working on a lot of shit. Let me just tell you, being a whole person is a lifetime journey. It really yeah. is. Yeah. that That's so real. And I have found that there is this interesting scenario where a lot of like professionally successful women have tumultuous personal lives. It's like a trend and I've had the exact same experience. So it's good to see and to understand that like we're not alone in not being perfect because no one is. And there's always areas of opportunity for improvement, whether that's professionally or personally. I want to talk about this mid-year sabbatical. I know there's a lot of folks that listen to this podcast that are pursuing financial independence. They want to walk away from the nine to five. They want to take a break and reassess what the hell's going on with life. What motivated you to take that sabbatical and how did you financially orchestrate that? You're good, girl. That's a good question. Well, number one, I never finished college because I got into TV very early and it took me by surprise. And nobody ever asked me where I went to college because I had so many jobs already and a great resume by the time I was like 19. Years later, working in the entertainment industry, it was very trying. And part of becoming this monstrous person, also sometimes you feel like, okay, I'm becoming somebody I don't even want to be because you you have to be such a bitch. So all those things, just put that in the back of your mind. And then I had a beautiful thing happen, which is that I made money. The TV network I was running got sold. I had this huge deal to make 500 episodes of TV. The economy crashed. When the economy crashed, NBC owed me a lot of money. So I got one big check and one big chunk in 2008. My son was eight years old. He was struggling in school. And he said to me, I'm never going to go to college. I hate school. And I go, you're going to go to college. And he goes, no, you didn't finish college and you've done really well. And I had this epiphany where I thought, if I were going to die in a year, what would I regret? And I thought I'd regret that I didn't finish school and that I, I didn't give my kid that role modeling. And that also I feel like, I don't need a piece of paper and I don't need a degree at this point, but there are a lot of gaps in my education. And maybe other people don't know it and I'm faking it and I look really good to other people, but I know 
And also, and I think this is the biggest reason I went to school, I felt, and I still feel like I'm years older than I am in career years because I've had the most unbelievable career. And in my personal life, I am regressed and immature. And by the way, when I went to school, the number one thing I got out of school is that I realized when you skip stages in your development, like me, that I didn't get, I didn't have a high school graduation. I've been married once and it was like a shotgun wedding. I didn't really have a wedding. I haven't gone through any graduations. And somehow your soul doesn't understand that one part of your life has died and it's over and a new phase is beginning. And so you you stay immature. And I, I really feel like the parts of my life I've struggled with the most in my personal life. And it was my complete immaturity. And, you know, the truth is I just went through a few months of going through a lot of ex-boyfriends of mine through my, my life and going and apologizing to them, including my ex-husband, the only husband I've ever married, because I realized that I was like runaway bride. I go into these relationships like very dramatic. And then I dump people and not even knowing why. And some of those guys I really should have been with, including my ex-husband. I was too young, but he's a great guy. And I realized that in order to change this pattern, I had to really clean up my karma and go back and, and like go back to the ghosts of boyfriend past. Mm. Yes, I've had a meteoric, incredible career and I've made money and I can teach a lot of things, yeah. but I'm still learning about the developmental process. And I'm a psychologist now, so I can't BS myself. The <laughs> developmental process that it takes to be a grown ass woman. That level of accountability, I think, is is very hard to accept that we must own, right? And I think we have the same scenario when it comes to money. Like, if your money situation has been shit for a while, you got to start looking at, girl, who's the common denominator here? What is the problem? What is happening? I say that all the time. And, and yeah. you have to be, you have to find where are you the common denominator in each of your problems, right? Yes. And why? Because in the end, and, and this is me as a psychologist, I can tell you this. You can't change anyone else. You can only change you. Mm. That's it. And listen, I've tried to change a lot of people, <laughs> a lot. And a lot of men I've tried to change. And in fact, the only one that needs changing and that needs needed to change is me. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, and I'm blessed because in the money part of my life, that came very easily to me because mm-hmm. I did not suffer like my parents. Yeah. So I me puse la pila, and and also I feel like I got a lot from my parents, even in the money section. Even though they didn't know about money, they knew how to be frugal, like immigrants. I feel like my immigrant mentality has been very useful to me, and also just working really hard, yep. saving money. The part that I didn't get from them was how to invest the money that mm-hmm. I had to learn from billionaires. But the part of saving money. And like, also I tell people, you know, like everybody goes, you have to be green and not use electricity. Are you kidding? When you're an immigrant, you turn the lights off. You don't use water that you don't need to use. Like we are very conscientious and empathetic of other people. Like you don't like, like my son, sometimes he has friends go out and the kids are like from very wealthy families and they don't realize that some of the kids that are going out with them don't have money. Mm. And like, take them to places that those kids can't afford. Right. Okay. And I go, Lucas, you know, he tells me these stories and I go, that would never happen to immigrants because 
a nosotros nos da pena for other people because we know what it feels like yeah. to put somebody. So we're always like, don't worry, we're going to go to this cheap place or I'll pay for you or if, whatever, you know, like we're just very empathetic people. And I think that a lot of people in today's world and a lot of young people are not empathetic. Yeah, I think that's very true. Our culture is based around community. And I think that's why so much of the individual based personal finance content that exists out there doesn't resonate with our people because this idea of like, oh, you're poor because you're lazy or you're poor because you just don't work hard enough. Like that shit's not true. We know that's not true. You know, we know there's systemic things at place and we know that it's not enough just for one of us to become successful or financially independent or whatever it is. You're going to want to bring those people up with you. You're going to want to make sure your family is taken care of. And there's not enough advice, I think, in the money conversations around like, how do we collectively move forward? Well, this is why you and I have to have, have had to do podcasts because yeah. it is a constant conversation. So it is a lack of knowledge. That's the only yeah. thing. That's our only barrier to entry. And then you have to take action. But the reason I did Moneymaker and I'm also doing Mi Mundo Rico in Spanish, is because I realize like it's not okay. It's not enough for me to tell you this in a speech and an event. I do now two podcasts a week, and one is an, an interview, like and you've been on my podcast. And the other one is me, like a therapy session with you. Like I just say, what have I gone through? I give a story and I tell you, what did I learn? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it, this is a very intimate medium that you are and I are in right now. And I think it takes this kind of intimacy to bear all and say, look, we've all been there and we have to learn from each other. So you guys don't have to go through the same thing from scratch. Like I look at my kid and I go, I tell him every day, I go, Coño, if you're not like, if you don't surpass me times 20 million, you're an idiot. Because <laughs> you, you've had me you got the blueprint as a rock. And also solid financially. Mm. So you can like, and I've taught you all this. So you know, the boy has had a bowl, you know? <laughs> and I tell him this all the time. And I think we all have to feel like we want to pass this on so that our kids can be in a whole other level of growth. Like I have been in a whole other le- level of growth than my parents. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, right now, I don't know if I told you this, you know, my podcast and you came on. I'm in the middle of writing a book with an incredible guy, Julio Gonzalez, who's like a tax goat. And I'm going to write a book about taxes and I'm going to make taxes fun for people. Oh, thank God we need it. Because tax planning is the secret to all rich people. Yes. Period. And to us, it's like, yeah, you're going to learn that if you join with the IRS and figure out what they're spending money on and what they're giving you tax benefits on, and you go with that, you're going to be in a very different boat. Yeah. And I'm doing that because I feel like that's the final secret sauce. Mm. That's where like the big boys and the big women play. Yeah. That's where, you know, Jeff Be- when we say Jeff Bezos and all these people don't pay taxes, they don't. Yeah. But they're not doing it illegally. They follow the IRS and they, they invest where the IRS tells them they're going to, you know, I tell people I, I own a car. It's a G550 Mercedes. It's a $125,000 car. I bought it with a tax incentive of the government for a 6,000 pound car. I got 75% back. Wow. So I'm not going to pay $125,000 for a car. You know, say, Bola. <laughs> so to not use these incentives is to not use a Walmart coupon. So we don't know. That's the final hurrah to get to that place 
where you get excited to go find out what are the tax incentives for the year. Yeah, those are the conversations that we need to be having, not like, you know, who's dating who and blah, 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 all that bullshit. <laughs> we can do that too. But it's como yo digo mi libro, I say, you know, don't buy shoes, buy buildings. I'm not saying don't buy shoes, but buy the buildings first. Right. Ugh, I love that energy, Nelly. I want to know also from someone who has had objectively from an outsider looking in a very illustrious career, right? That anybody would be like, oh my God, she's made it. How do you walk away from that to do your own thing? Because there's a lot of women that listen to this podcast that have made those marks of success their identity. And now they're questioning like, is this even who I want to be anymore? And how do I walk away from that? Well, I'm so glad you're saying that. I mean, I'm very proud of you because you did it and you did it. You walked away from like a traditional linear life and you did it earlier than me. Had I, if I was going to do my life over again, I might've done it way sooner. Mm. I think that when you're in a corporation, by the way, I learned a lot. I tell women, don't do what I did either. <laughs> like, you say me loca. I go from one day to the next and no, like start your side hustle at the same time, mm -hmm. parallel tracks. When you know you have enough money over here, then you leave. You know, I didn't do that. So I don't do what I did. Do, do it <laughs> the right way. But I did learn a lot from corporate America. And that's why I, I've been able to scale and think bigger and all that. But we live in a, you know, life is about timing. I'm older than you. So I didn't come in at the, at the height of social media I was there when there was no social media. So I'm even not good at, at all of this, to be honest with you. But I think that in today's world, not everyone's an entrepreneur. Not everyone feels comfortable doing this. But if you do, it's never been a better time in history to be a content creator or to be an entrepreneurial person. Yep. And, and no matter what kind of person you are, you still have to be a content creator because you have to build your brand, right. whether it's a hair salon or a plumber or whatever. You better be good at social media, right? So that's your marketing tool. So I would say parallel tracks, mission and money, money comes first. Mm -hmm. um, the reason I was able to do this is because I had already made money. Mm -hmm. And I had enough money to take a very big risk. And it was actually a bigger risk to my ego than it was to my pocketbook. Mm -hmm. Because I was already established. I was already a big deal. And my own, you know, I had an agent and the agent was like, you're going back to school. Are you insane at the height of your career? But I knew, and, and again, this is where my, the good side of me, which is the why I'm very wise about certain things. I knew that sometimes in life, you have to take 10 steps backwards to take 30 steps forward. And I looked at myself at 45, which is when I went back to school. So I can do what anybody can do it. <laughs> and I said to myself, I'm going to be 60 years old, running around trying to sell TV shows to 20 year olds. That doesn't sound like a really good game plan to me. I've got to build something that is what I know how to teach mm. uniquely. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I could teach money to women uniquely because I walk the walk of it every day. People yeah. will see me on airplanes and I fly coach and they go, aren't you rich? Why are you flying? I go, how did I get rich? <laughs> I don't fly first class unless I'm using my miles or somebody's flying me there. You know, like, me out of that. You know, I spent money and then I took myself on a trip around the world and I spent a lot of money. I spent money on buildings, on experiences, 
I, I don't spend money on things that are depreciating things. Yeah. Or that, you know, when I don't even, what am I going to go in first class and eat like shitty food? Yeah. I'll go in the exit <laughs> row and pay coach. <laughs> so I think that I had the money to do it. First of all, the other thing that I think is important for you to know is I spent many, many years creating a brand around Latinos and around Latino content and Latino programming. And I love that because it comes from my pain. And in my book, I wrote, in, my, in your pain is your brand. I have made a lot of money like divulging my pain and creating shows about my pain. But I also got to a place in my life in my 40s, early 40s, where I felt more aligned with women, all women. And I wanted to make content for women. And I wanted to, you know, I did The Swan. I love doing that show because it was all about women's pain and how to give women like everything they wanted, the psychology, therapy, a makeover, whatever. And I was aligned with women. I felt women identified. My goal was to love and like help other women. It was a big calling for me. And then I went back to school. I realized that I could do something about it. And then mm -hmm. I had the money to do it. Mm. And I did it. Yeah. And I have never turned back. This second half of my life has been so much more joyous than the first half. Because you got options. Well, it's options, but also because I got that side of it over with. Like, I'm going to tell you something. Just making money at anything. I don't care what it is. And like cashing out of something. It's not that that brings you happiness, but it gives you so much freedom. Yeah. The freedom brings you happiness. Absolutely. Right? So I've been able to make really great choices the second half of my life. Whereas the first half, also when I even, when I was producing shows, I had a huge staff, huge overhead. I had to take on a lot of shows maybe that I wouldn't have done mm -hmm. to pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. Now my overhead is light. I can do whatever I want. I don't do anything I don't want to do. And I don't have to. I love that. And I want that energy and that spirit for all of us. I have one more question before I let you go. Okay. What does it mean to be self-made? Great question. <laughs> so good, girl. <laughs> well, to me, I, I called the book self-made because to me, it's a double entendre, right? So I guess there is this idea that self-made in America because other people around the world don't see it that way. It means that you make yourself. But the fact is, nobody makes themselves completely. It takes a village. To me, why I love the saying self-made is because I believe to make it to the end of your life, you will have to make yourself over, over and over and over again. And how I've made myself over is not so much on the monetary side or on the, even though I've done that, but I also feel like a lot of people help me do that, right? But where I've had to make myself over is by being flexible and pivot continually. And the thing that I would say is most important in life is to understand that life is in phases and you have to be ready for everything to change all the time. You have to wake up every day and feel like you know nothing today. And in fact, the world is about to change in such a radical way with AI, with biotech, we are going to have a hundred year quantum leap into the future in a matter of two or three years. And those of us that are stuck in a box or in our ways are going to suffer a lot. It's not that you'll fail because something, but you're going to suffer. And the way to not suffer through this very difficult life is to say, 
Hoy pasó esto y mañana pasa lo otro. And I'll give you the example. I was living in LA. I have a house that to me is iconically me. Everybody can look it up. It's the most Instagrammed house in the world. It's very creative. It's very colorful. And my mother got sick two years ago. And I had to, from one day to the next, move to Miami. I'm living in a tiny little apartment on the ocean, though beautiful, that I've had for a long time. And everybody goes, don't you miss your house? My 6,000 square foot house that's, that I made for me that has its own office, its own filming studio. Its own. I go, no, that was then. This is now. And I'm loving this is now. And you have to have that attitude about your life, about changes, about the relationships that die and others that are, and, and be optimistic that other things are coming, that you got fired, but you don't know what incredible thing is coming around the corner, like what happened to you. I think we have to be in a spirit of like a child that's wanting to learn more new things. Great. You know, I feel like I didn't do the transition because I was so busy between the running a TV network to social media so well. I'm going to be an AI goddess because now I have the time to do that transition. And I'm already an, a goddess of biotech because I'm into it. So I think we have to have the feeling of growing all the time, of evolving all the time. I will tell you, one of my girlfriends, que me da esta pena porque ella pobrecita se murió a couple of years ago. And in one of our last get-togethers, she said something to me that to me was the greatest compliment I'd ever gotten in my whole life. And she said to me, you know, of all our friends, you're the only one that's evolved past 30. When she said it, I was like, I have evolved. You, you see from my, from my resume that I have changed careers five times. And I have an eye for when it's time to move, whether it's out of a relationship, whether it's out of a geography, whether it's out of a house, whether it's out of a career, and always expecting greater things to come. And I always say, Sometimes you got to go a little backwards, but you got to take yourself then to a higher place. And that is what it's all about in life. And I'm Absolutely. older and wiser. So I'm telling you guys. Yes, I love it. Nelly, honestly, you are such a trailblazer and it is such an honor to have you here. I want folks to go and follow you on social media. Go and learn more about Nelly by purchasing her book, Self Made. We're going to put that link in the episode show notes. And please keep us posted Money when the maker, new tax book comes maker. out. Yes. Definitely, you want to tune into the Moneymaker podcast where you can listen to wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It's an I am so honor. proud of you. Thank you. You are such a star. And I'm so proud that you not just took the risk, but you have, and you've shared because the beauty is that women like us can't be afraid to share all. I'm so blessed that I've had so many people, rich, old, young men, women, share with me and I've been able to skip a lot of steps. Mm, mm, that's powerful. And that's how we continue to make progress as a community. So thank you for the work that you do. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.